Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything, and I receive supernatural debt cancellation. You may be seated. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. We're picking up from where we left off last week on our midweek Bible study series called Laws of the Kingdom. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. We looked at this last Wednesday and some of it on Sunday. Matthew 4, 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We said last week, kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous terms used in the Gospels. We said the word kingdom was defined as royalty, rule, reign, or realm. We began to look at the word kingdom and the kingdom of God and what the Jews had heard about the kingdom of God before Jesus came on the scene. We looked at Psalm 103, 19 through 22, and one of the things we pulled from those verses is that God's kingdom rules over all. We looked at Daniel chapter 2, and we saw that from the life of Daniel, what God was saying to Nebuchadnezzar, that God's kingdom conquers every other kingdom and will break every other system and kingdom and cause them to pass away like dust in the wind. We said the kingdom of God is the power of God. We said the kingdom of God is based in supernatural power. We said the kingdom of God is also how God operates, how he does what he does by his power. We said his power and his ways are far above every system. And if you operate by the laws and the mysteries of the kingdom, you will operate above every system of this world. So go to Luke chapter 16. Throughout Jesus' ministry and even in John the Baptist's ministry, they preached on the kingdom of God. When you look at the book of Acts, you see in the 40 days that Jesus walked the earth after he was raised from the dead, he spent a lot of his time talking to his followers, his disciples, about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Luke chapter 16, look at this parable Jesus told in verse 1. And he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for you may no longer be a steward. In other words, you're fired. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig, and to beg I am ashamed. He said, I am resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, when I'm fired, They may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. He said unto him, Take thy bell and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write eighty. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, when you look at that parable, you can learn many things, but notice this, 
this unjust steward was wasting his boss's money. He got called out on it, and he was about to get fired, and he says, what am I going to do? I don't have a job anymore. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm not going to go and beg. So here's what I'm going to do. Since I'm in charge of all the money before, my clearance card doesn't work anymore. I'm going to call all the different people who owe my boss money, and I'm going to cut them a deal. So you may owe 100. I'm going to change the bill for you and put 80. I'm going to change this, put 50. So now you owe me something. So now if I get kicked out, because apparently his job came with living arrangements, so I'm not going to live on the street. I can come move into your house because I just saved you a whole bunch of money. What happened? What did this unjust steward do? He worked his system. So Jesus is saying the children of this generation, the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light for this reason. They work their system. If you look at anybody in the world who's successful, they work their system. They believe in their principles. They believe in their laws and they work their system. How about the people in the kingdom of God? How about the righteous of God in Christ Jesus work their system? We have a system, we have laws, we have rules, but a lot of times we won't work them because we don't actually believe in them like we believe in the system of the world. The kingdom of God has a law or a system which we should work on a consistent basis. If you study the most successful at the top of any industry, they work the laws on a consistent basis. They work their system. So if we want to see this power of God of the kingdom work in a consistent way in our life outside of Sunday, outside of Wednesday, we must work the laws, we must work the system of the kingdom of God. So go to Romans chapter 3. Because the fact that Jesus said the children of darkness are wiser is not a compliment. It's just saying the children of God won't work their system. Let's not be like that generation in Jesus' day. Let's be the one who works their system. When we talk about laws of the kingdom, we're talking about laws as a statement of fact deduced from observation to the effect that a particular natural or scientific phenomenon always occurs if certain conditions are present. It's a principle based on the predictable consequences of an act, condition. It's fundamental truths that should direct our behavior. We talk about the law of gravity. We talk about the law of lift. These are things that work all the time. So when we study in this series, the word in some places, like we see in Romans 3, a law is directly named. Some things are the law of faith, the law of love, the law of this, the law of that. But as you study the word, some things are not called laws, but you see that law and that principle that you can observe and deduce. So we're going to look at one of the principal laws of the kingdom of God tonight, the law of faith. Romans 3, 27. Notice what Paul says about the Holy Ghost. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by the law of works, nay, but by the law of faith. He's comparing to what Moses' law and people thinking they can be justified because they do the right things. Paul's going back and forth with Romans over and over again saying, you are not made righteous because you did something right. He's saying the law could not save you. The law came to show you that you needed a savior. The law came to expose your sin. The law came to show you how how fallen you actually are. So he said, you can keep trying to do the works of the law, but you're not going to be righteous. But then he said, 
There's no boasting because the thing is, if you can say, well, I earned my salvation. I went to heaven because I fulfilled the law. I did everything God said. Then you have a reason to boast. You have a reason to brag. Says, I have done so good. I have done so much. God has approved of me and let me in heaven. But Paul said, there's no room for you to brag about how much you've done right. Because the way you got into the kingdom of God is by the law of faith. To summarize the law of faith and law of works, the law of works is if you do this, you'll get this. The law of faith is if you believe. The law of faith has to do with what do you believe. The law of faith is believing in what God has already done. You came into the kingdom of God by the law of faith. It's not a foreign concept. When you are born again, you believe that Jesus is the son of God. You believe he died for you. You believe that God raised him from the dead. You believed in that. And when you believed, you received salvation. You received eternal life. You received forgiveness of sins. You received cleansing by the blood of Jesus because you activated the law of faith. The law of faith is the way of faith. The law of faith is the way of faith. So go to Romans chapter 1, a few pages back. The law of faith is the way of faith. And it can be summed up if you believe. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power un- of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith is not just something you do in a moment. It is a lifestyle. Faith is not your get-out-of-jail-free card. It's how you're supposed to live every single day. Now, when you're studying your Bible, a way to understand more about what the Bible is saying is when you come to a scripture and it says, it is written, go back to where it was written. So let's do that tonight. Go to Habakkuk. Back at chapter one. We'll start at verse five. Now Habakkuk is written right before the southern kingdom Judah falls to the Babylonians. Judah has backslidden, has turned away from God. Judgment's coming. The prophet Habakkuk knows that. And he's having a conversation with God. Chapter one and chapter two is God and Habakkuk having a conversation. So he begins by praying, saying, look, all these things are going on. It seems like the wicked are winning. Judah's not doing right, and the Babylonians, they're doing even worse. So God, what are you going to do about that? So when we look at chapter 1, verse 5, God's replying and says, Behold ye among the heathen among the nations, regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. 
He said, I'm going to do something so marvelous. If someone came up and told you what I was going to do, you would not believe them. Now, this is something because he's not just talking to the average person on the street or the average believer. He's talking to his prophet who's supposed to represent him. He said, if someone came up and told you what I was going to do, you wouldn't even believe. Now, go to chapter 2. God goes on and talks about some of the things he's going to do. Habakkuk replies. In verse 1, he's saying, I will stand upon my watch and set upon the tower and watch to see what he'll say unto me and what I shall answer when I'm approved. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So notice what he's saying. God's given his reply. Here's what I'm going to do in your life. Here's what I'm going to do that if someone else told you, you wouldn't believe. I want you to write it down. And don't be like the heathen who won't believe it. Don't be like the prideful who's going to live by his pride. I want you to believe in what I'm telling you, even though you can't see it. What did Paul tell us? We walk by faith, not by sight. We live by what we believe, not what we can see. So he's telling Habakkuk, I want you to believe what I'm about to tell you, even though it looks like it's going to be crazy. Because Habakkuk had to see past what was coming on Judah. Judgment was about to come. The Babylonians were about to invade. How are they going to survive this? God says, I already got to figure it out. I already have a plan for the Babylonians. When it's all said and done, my glory is going to cover the earth. There's no way Habakkuk can conceive it and understand it, but God is telling them, I want you to live by your faith. I want you to write down what I'm telling you, put it up where everybody can see it, and I want you to believe it. You must choose to believe what God says no matter what you see, no matter what you feel, no matter what you experience. You must choose to hold the word of God and what thus saith the Lord above what thus says the news, above what thus saith the doctor, above what thus, thus saith the banker. One of the things that keeps coming into my heart all through the week when I talk to people or when I pray One of the things, I don't know if I told you guys this week or last week or something in my heart concerning the next election, God's will will be done, either through the candidate that wins or in spite of them. The will of God will be done. So don't pay attention to craziness. You just trust God because God knows how to do what he needs to do. God spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament, so if he can use a donkey, he can use anybody. Go to Romans chapter 4. Choose to believe what God says above what you see in the natural. This is the way of faith. This is the law of faith. That if you want the kingdom power to work in your life, you can't live by your five senses. You can't just live by what you can see. You can't live by what you can feel, what you can taste, what you can hear. You can't live by your experience. You can't live by what you smell. You have to live by faith. Because what five senses can touch can only get you so far. Faith can take you beyond that. Walking by faith requires patience. A lot of times we live in a generation where we're just so used to things going quickly. 
where a century ago it might have taken a long time to make a dinner, but you can put something in the microwave and get it in a couple minutes. Or, now even more recently, how many of you remember those AOL CDs that used to come in the mail? You put it in, they dial up for the internet to load, take about 10 minutes for your email to get there. But now, if it takes more than five seconds for your page to load, you're like, I don't pay all this money for have slow internet. How fast has it changed in about 10 years, 15 years? We're used to things going like this, but that's not always how faith works. Where faith is concerned, we must be patient. Hebrews 6.12, faith and patience inherit the promises. So you must be patient as you walk by and live by faith. So Romans chapter 4. Also, faith does not tell God when he has to do something. God, I need you to do it right now. My bill is due on this day, so I need all the money right now. God, if you don't reach my crazy cousin by this date, it's too late. Faith does not tell God when to do something. Faith believes and receives because timing is God's business. When you start stepping into timing, you get out of your business. You get out of your lane. Stay in your lane and believe and receive and let timing be up to God. So Romans chapter 4. Verse 12, let's mind our business, which is believing and receiving, walking by faith and by patience, inheriting everything God has promised us. Notice what Paul says in verse 12, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to a seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham walked by faith. He walked in the way of faith. And there were certain steps he walked in to walk by faith. Paul gives it to us starting in verse 17. So the way of faith or the law of faith has steps. So let's look at some of them. Verse 17 says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him or in the presence of him whom he believed, God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Now we know God calls those things which be not as though they were. But this scripture is not talking about God calling it. It's talking about Abraham. It says before him or in the presence of him whom he believed. Abraham believed in God, and so in his presence, the one in the presence of the one who quickens the dead, he called those things which be not as though they were. Now, how did Abraham do that? His name was Abram, but God told him, your name's not Abram anymore. Yes, you're almost 100 years old, but I'm changing your name. I am calling you Abraham, father of many nations. I don't even think, oh, that's a Bible character, so it doesn't matter. Imagine if you, no matter what your age is, change your name on social media. Then you change your name on all your government forms. And when people say, hey, so-and-so, how are you doing? No, nope, my name is not so-and-so. And you give them this whole long new name. They would think you've gone crazy. They would think you've lost it. 
But notice, Abraham's obeying God, and now every time he and Sarah have a conversation, they're calling themselves what God said. So the first step in this way of faith is calling those things that be not as though they were. It's saying what God says. Notice it doesn't say calling things that are not or calling those things that be as though they are not. So it's not saying, well, you broke your arm. My arm's not broke. No, that bad boy is broke. Put that thing in a cast. But you can call your arm healed. You can call it restored. You can call it recovering. That's calling those things that be not as though they were, but your arm is broke. That is the fact. But the truth is that it's healed, so that's what you speak. So the first law, call those things that be not as though they were. As we keep reading, it says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Number two, he believed in hope. He believed in hope. Keep your finger here and go to Hebrews chapter 11. The law of faith will work for whoever works it. Hebrew 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith gives substance to what you hope for. Your hopes are immaterial. God showed him a picture. It was a hope. It was a future to him. But his faith brought it into the natural. His faith took things that had no form and gave it form. His faith activated and accelerated whatever needed to be changed in his body. There was a reason they could not have kids before. But faith changed it. Faith took what's in the spirit realm and brought it into the natural realm. Go back to Romans 4. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. The next step, he did not consider his body. He did not consider his circumstance. A lot of us never get over into faith because we're too busy thinking about all the things that can't happen, all the things that can't work because this is who I am, this is what I've experienced, this is what my situation is right now. So we never consider the promise of God because we're always considering how we feel. We're always considering what's in our bank account. We're always considering who we know. Always considering our past. But if you always consider your circumstance, the Bible says you are weak in faith. You may say, oh, I got faith, but what do you consider? Because if you're always considering your body or your circumstance, you are weak in faith. Believing the word of God sometimes means believing against your circumstance. Believing that what God can do was far above what you have right now. Next part he says, he staggered not 
at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not stagger or waver. A lot of times when God says something, people stagger or waver at that promise or they'll go, well, yeah, I know God can do it, but I don't know if he'll do it for me. And so they hear it, so they try to act on it, but they really don't believe in their heart. Go to James chapter 1. The way of faith, the law of faith. James chapter 1. Verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. There's a lot of unstable Christians out there. And the thing is, they waver where faith is concerned. That although it's a promise of God, one moment they believe it. They're in church, oh, I believe God. God can do everything. He can do anything but fail. They know all the Christianese, they know all the churchy phrases, but once they leave the house of God, do they still believe? And I say, well, why don't I see the things coming to pass in my life? Are you still in faith? Or do you waver? A lot of times people receive their healing, but the next day or days later, a symptom tries to come back, and then they say out their mouth, oh, I must not have gotten healed. And all of a sudden, it all comes back. They began to waver just because the enemy brought a lying symptom. If you receive a lying symptom, you'll receive the disease. Satan always brings lies. You're used to him telling you stuff, and some of you have been fighting off what he says, but sometimes he'll try to bring a lying symptom or a lying emotion to you. But you must resist those just like you resist his lies that he actually says. Just because something hits your body doesn't mean you have to receive it. You resist it. You resist anything that Jesus bore for you on the cross. If he bore your sins, you resist sin. He bore your sickness and your diseases, so you resist those too. Don't just go up, I have to have it. I'm this age, I have to have it. I'm this race, I have to have it. I'm this gender, I have to have it. No, you don't. You only have to have what God says you have to have. It's the law of faith. Don't waver. Don't be one moment in faith and the next moment in doubt. Because if you keep living like that, you won't receive from God. And then you wonder and start saying, well, I tried faith and faith didn't work. No, faith tried you and you didn't work. You must work the law of faith. You must work the way of faith. Go back to Romans 4. And don't beat yourself up if you're not there yet. Because Abraham wasn't there yet. God started dealing with Abraham when he was in his early 70s. If not beforehand, because you see Genesis 12, now God hath said to Abram. 
So he doesn't know how long it took him to actually get to begin to do what God said. And God had promised him that he would have a child, but he kept messing up and doing all these other things. So now he's 100 years old and God has to say, look, dude, grow up. You've been walking with me now for 25 years. Here's what I need you to do. Here's what I need you to believe. By this point, Abraham got himself over into faith and began to believe God. Now, don't let it take you 25 years. You have the word of God. Abraham didn't have that. You have someone teaching you the word. So what well, took Abraham 25 years, let it take you 25 seconds. Decide to get over in faith and stay there. This is a place or realm in which you live. So Romans 4 again. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, verse 20, but was strong in faith. What is the indicator that you're strong in faith? Giving glory to God. So the fifth step, Abraham gave glory to God before it happened. Before he had Isaac, before he could see proof that he'd be the father of many nations, he gave God praise in advance. He celebrated in advance before it manifested. That shows you if you are strong in faith or not. If you're weak in faith, you are considering your circumstance, considering your body, and whining and complaining like the Israelites did. If you are strong in faith, you consider the promise of God and you give God glory in advance. We are the only people who celebrate the touchdown way before we score. Walking by faith is seeing something other people can't see. I was listening to a message that was talking about an NBA player and it was saying that, well, he has an average wingspan, average height. He's really skinny, kind of frail. Depends too much on his outside shot. He doesn't have a much future. He goes to a small college. We don't know how he would do in the big leagues. So I really wouldn't recommend an NBA team picking him up. But I think Steph Curry's doing pretty well, good right now. The person who was assigned to go and evaluate him as a scout could not see what the coach who picked him up saw. You are looking at your circumstance right now and you can't see that God has already put all the pieces in there necessary to bring it all together with faith to cause you to advance. So you have to see things like God sees it. God has a way of doing things and using people nobody would ever consider or count on. But he's God, and he's all-powerful, and your faith taps into that power. So stop looking at your circumstance. Stop looking at your situation. Stop looking about all the things you think can, will count you out, and decide to look at God who is able. Looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of your faith. So give glory to God. The next part, number six, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. You must be absolutely convinced, fully persuaded that God is able, that God is willing, and that he will do it. A lot of people believe God is able, but they don't know if he will do it for them. You must get yourself past all doubt that God not only is able, but he will do it for me. How do you get there? Go to Romans 10.
Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if you're wavering in your faith, if you're not absolutely convinced, you need to get into the word more. You have to immerse yourself in the word on a certain subject if you want to be unmoved in that area. So if you're going through a battle with sickness and disease, that's not really the time to study on the end times and the Antichrist. It's a great subject to study on, but if you're in the hospital and they say you've got four weeks, it's not time to study that. It's time to get on all your healing scriptures. It's time to believe what God says and get you to a place where you don't even doubt. So you must immerse yourself in the word of God. If you have a topic in your area that you're believing for and you're having struggles to believe God for, find all the scriptures on that subject. Run a reference. Google it. Look at all the different things and put those scriptures in front of your eyes. Say them out of your mouth. Do it on a daily basis. Do it multiple times a day. Immerse yourself so that you're always saying it, you're always thinking it, and then you'll get to a place because faith is risen in your heart. Oh, I know God's going to do it. It doesn't matter what you see, what you feel. Oh, no, no, God's got me. But you have to get yourself to that place of faith, and you do it by immersing yourself in the Word of God. You're immersed by what you read and what you hear. So you're reading the Word, you're speaking the Word, and then you're listening to the Word being preached to you. And you don't give time for things to speak to you that are against what the Word says. So then you start evaluate everything you see and everything you listen to. If it's going to tell me something against what I'm believing, I'm not going to give it space in my mind. I'm not going to give it space in my heart. I'm not giving it time. Because if I really want the power of God, I'm willing to shut all those things down so I can immerse myself in the Word so I can get the result I'm after. If you want to be fully persuaded, make sure you're not letting your doubts be fed. And that also comes, there might be times where you stop talking to certain people about certain subjects. I love you, but we ain't talking about that. Well, what about, no, we're going to have to end the conversation if you bring it up. Feed your faith, starve your doubts. Feed your faith, starve your doubts. Immerse yourself in the word of God. James 2.26 tells us that faith without works is dead. So you must act on what God said. Faith without corresponding action is dead. Ask God, find some type of way on how to act on what you believe. Whatever you're believing for, search your heart. God, how can I take a step of faith on this? If you're believing to start a certain type of business, your step of faith will be researching what to do with that business. What do you need to know? You believe God's called you to go minister in a certain country? You should learn that language. Like, well, God's going to send me. Well, yeah, well, you should study. Look for a step of faith you can take. Because faith is good in here, but it becomes active and powerful when you begin to do it out here. Go to Galatians 5. Almost done. The way of faith, the law of faith. We can't be those who back away from faith. We must walk by faith. We must live by faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God.
Galatians 5. Verse 6. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. These are two laws, the law of faith and the law of love. I think we'll look at the law of love next week. But notice it says, faith which worketh by love availeth. What does that word availeth mean? To give the advantage. The law of faith gives you the advantage. It's not based on your works. It's not based on your pedigree. It's not based on where you came from. A lot of people think, well, this person has the advantage because of what school they went to. This person has the advantage because of who they know. This person has the advantage because of their parents. This person has the advantage because of what's in their bank account. This person has the advantage because of how they look. No, the person who works the law of faith has the advantage in all situations. If you work the law of faith, it gives you the advantage. But you must consistently work the system of God God has given you. We must walk by faith. We must live by faith. Let everything we do be directed by faith. Because when we step over into that area, we step over into the power of God. So the thing is, you always should be using your faith for something. You should always be believing for something. You may not need anything, but you can start believing for something for somebody else. Always use your faith. Let your faith grow stronger and stronger and stronger, where it's like the mustard seed that grows into a great tree that all the fowls of the air can go and lean on it. So you need to get your faith strong enough where people can lean on you until they're ready to be strong by themselves. You must grow your faith. It's faith to faith. You may know a lot, but your faith is not done growing yet. You can grow and mature in your faith. You must work the law of faith. It's one of the most principal laws of the kingdom, the law of faith and the law of love. Because if you walk by faith and you walk in love, everything shall be all right. Not okay. God will make everything right. But you must work those laws. We always talk about walking in love and forgiving everybody of everything on a regular basis. But just like you're supposed to do that on a regular basis, you're supposed to be living and exercising your faith on a regular basis. You must be acting on it. Because if you don't act on your faith, it's useless, it's dead. So anytime you hear the word preach on a subject, look for some way to act upon it. Look for some way to apply it to your life. How do I walk this thing out? How do I put this into practice so you can keep growing, you can keep maturing? Law of faith gives you the advantage. It's a way to live. It is your lifestyle. You are faith people. This is what you do on a daily basis. Don't be those who waver and don't receive and then give up on faith. Jesus even said when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith on the earth? Why? That means at the very end, there'll be a great temptation for people to walk away from faith, to walk away from walking by faith, to try to find some other way to live. But we're believers. We believe. That's what we do. We call ourselves believers because we believe. We're faith people. We're Christians. We're not doubters. We're not unbelievers. We're believers. So make sure that you're always believing, always keeping your faith strong.
Immerse yourself in the word of God and watch yourself grow. So whatever subject you're struggling with, go to the word. See what the word says about it. Study it out. Put it in your heart. Say it again and again till it renews your mind. Find other things that will stir your faith on that subject. And watch you get into a place like Abraham, unmoved by anything, steadfast, fully persuaded, and watch the power of God activate in your life, no matter how impossible the situation seems. It was impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have a child, yet they did. Faith in God gives you the advantage. No matter how old you are, no matter how impossible the situation is, faith in God will always give you the advantage. So use your faith. Amen? Well, stand to your feet. We must become pros at using our faith. Just like you think about any person who is a specialist in anything, who knows how to use tools, you must use your faith like the greatest carpenter or the greatest mechanic knows how to use their tools. You must know how to use your faith on purpose. A lot of times, a lot of Christians receive from God by accident. They stumbled into faith, got what they're believing for, and stumbled out of faith. And they don't know, ooh, how did I get that in the first place? So they think, well, I remembered I was crying at the altar, so let me go cry at the altar again. And that's not what got it to them. They just stepped into a place of faith. But don't be the ones who stumble into faith and accidentally get something here or there for a few years. Walk by faith and get it on purpose. And know how you did it so you can do it again. Because if you keep working that law, you do what James says, faith will work your patience and you'll get into a place where you lack nothing. That's where we're heading. We said the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not lack. He's leading to us to a place of no lack, but you must live by faith. You must believe what he says and act upon what he said. We have to use our faith on purpose. So go back, look at the stuff we preached on faith. We spent all of October preaching on faith. Go over those notes again. Listen to those messages again. Stir yourself up. Work this law of faith and watch you break out and have the great year God promised you. Amen? Don't be like Habakkuk did at the very beginning. God said, if I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. Be the ones that, God, whatever you say, I believe. It's a great year, I believe. I'm breaking out, I believe. Supernatural debt cancellation, I believe. I'm healed, I believe. My family will be saved, I believe. I have peace, I believe. I'm starting my own business, I believe. Whatever he said, choose to believe. And don't back away from it. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's lift your hands one time. Father, we thank you, Father, because you are good and your mercy endures forever. We thank you for the laws of kingdom. We thank you for the law of faith. We choose to walk by faith and not by sight. We know without faith it's impossible to please you. We want to bring joy. We want to please you every day of our life. And we want your power to work in our everyday life. So we commit to walking by faith. So I am a faith person. I choose faith. I walk by faith. I live by faith. I cause my life to be led and guided by faith. I'm not going to speak words of doubt. 
I'm not going to speak confusion words of unbelief. I will speak words of faith only. I will immerse myself in the word of God until my mind is renewed and I'm absolutely persuaded, totally convinced that everything God said will come to pass in my life. God will do it for me. I believe that. I receive that. And just like Abraham, I will have it. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.